everybody and thank you for joining me tonight for our midweek meeting in Dundonald Elam Church. My name is Malcolm Duncan and I have the privilege of leading the church in Dundonald. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be with me this evening. And I want to talk to you about something that has been happening in the press and has been reported on largely and broadly across the United Kingdom, across the United States and across the world. But let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your grace, your mercy, your compassion and your presence. I thank you for every person in our church family tonight and I pray that your hand would be upon them, that they would know your grace, your strength and your mercy and that they would be aware of your nearness. And amidst the uncertainty of the COVID-19 crisis, Lord, I'm also aware of other uncertainties and challenges that people are facing financially, in their families, in their communities, about their jobs. I realise that this is a desperately uncertain time for so many people. And I thank you for your goodness, for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your compassion and for your presence with us always. And tonight, as we gather in your name, I pray that you would shut us in with yourself and that we would be profoundly and deeply aware of your presence and of your grace. And I thank you that you are with us, that you hear us, that you see us, that you know us, and that you are aware of our deepest challenges and our greatest uncertainties. Tonight, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak into our lives and into our hearts, I pray, and let us be aware of your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. On the 25th of May, it took eight minutes and 46 seconds for George Floyd to be killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. He cried for help repeatedly. He asked again and again that the police officer would take his knee off his neck and in the end he died. And across the world there have been challenges and outrage at what has happened. Tonight I know that this happened in Minneapolis and I'm not speaking into American politics. I don't want to speak into anything to do with American policy. But as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, as a man who has been called by God to serve God's people, I believe that it is fundamentally important that I say something. The platform that God has given me reaches around the world and I don't take that for granted. And I think I have a, a moral and a social and a spiritual responsibility to say this. The Church of Jesus Christ should reject racism in all its forms and in all of its expressions and we should stand up. I'm not suggesting that I have the answers that are required. I'm not suggesting that I'm able to fix a problem that exists in American society or in British society or here in Northern Ireland. But I believe that it is vitally important that I say something about this issue tonight in our Bible study. And I remind you joining me from wherever you are and we have watchers and listeners in the United States, we have watchers and listeners in England, in Ireland, in Scotland, in Wales and across the world <clears throat> in country after country. I believe that God has asked me to say something into this. It is such an important moment. I am 50 years of age this year. I have a child. My oldest son is 26. My youngest daughter is 21 in September. 
I do not want to come to the end of my life and think that at a moment when somebody's human dignity was stripped from them, that I said nothing. I'm not suggesting that I know what to say. And I'm not even suggesting that I know how to say it. But I have watched and heard the outrage in men and women across the world and in younger generations who have said, this is wrong. Why is this allowed to happen? And I have been encouraged by those voices that have said something about it clearly, powerfully, and in a profoundly moving way from unexpected corners of the world. James Corden's broadcast touched many as he wept with his um, colleague who comes from a marriage between a black man and a white woman. He expressed a deep level of concern and heartbreak at what had happened. And tonight, here in this Bible study, I want to remind you that the Church of Jesus Christ is a church that is grounded and firmly, firmly founded in this simple principle, that we are one in Christ Jesus, that we are not determined in our worth or in our value by the colour of our skin, by the amount of money in our bank accounts, by the educations that we've had, by the social backgrounds that we come from, by the way in which we speak. We are determined by the blood of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And I think that 401 years after the arrival of the first slaves in the United States of America, and 155 years after they were first emancipated, and more than 50 years after the first Civil Rights Emancipation Acts were introduced, if we are surprised that racism continues to plague American society, then we are, in the words of one writer, looking at the world through rose-tinted or Caucasian-tinted glasses. I reject utterly the idea that someone can be treated differently based on the colour of their skin. And I want tonight to think about this biblically with you for a moment or two and ask you to commit yourself to justice. Ask you to commit yourself to stand up, to speak out and to be clear that when such things happen, they are to be rejected and they are to be condemned utterly and clearly. Nothing justifies what happened to George Floyd. Nothing justifies what happened to Ahmed Arbery. Nothing justifies people being marginalised or excluded based on the colour of their skin. It is wrong. But that's not just something that springs from the Geneva, uh, the Declaration of Human Rights from the United Nations published in 1951. This is something that is deeply rooted in Jewish and Christian heritage. Let me remind you of a few things that are important tonight as we think about this issue. But let me, before I do that, say this. To those people in my church family, here in Northern Ireland, in the Dundonald Elam Church family, in the Elam family around the world, in my tribe, in my part of the vineyard, who are black, who are brown, who are non-white, I want to say this to you. I am sorry that this is allowed to continue. It is not done in my name. And I, as a white man, recognise and reject racism in its, all of its forms and in all of its articulations. And if you're part of a younger generation, if you're part of somebody who is outraged, a community that is outraged at this, I want to say to you tonight, I share your outrage. I share your heartbreak. I share your deep sense of sadness and sorrow. I share your anger. I cannot claim in any way to have experienced racism in the way that black people do. 
But I can remember as a young man in Scotland, traveling, having settled there, traveling to work one morning and being stopped by a policeman. There were two policemen in the car and they spent 25 minutes making fun of me because I was from Northern Ireland and in their view I was Irish and therefore stupid. I'm not making that comparison to say in any way that I understand the pain or the heartbreak of those that are black tonight. But I want to say this, racism, segregation and um, uh, treating people as less because of the colour of their skin, because of where they're from, is wrong and should be rejected in all its forms. And I do not want to be part of a church that remains silent at a time like this. It is of fundamental significance that we stand up, that we stand together and that we speak out. Here in Northern Ireland, just yesterday, the members of the local assembly voted by 46 votes to 40 that the rights of disabled children in the womb mattered. They voted that non-fatal fetal abnormality should not be a grounds for abortion. They can't change the law, but they sent a clear message to parliamentarians in Westminster who will be debating that very issue later in July, that here in Northern Ireland, our elected representatives stand against discrimination in the womb in that way. Well, you know what? As a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe in life from conception, but I believe in life before birth, I believe in life after birth, and I believe in life after death. And I believe in life before death. The Bible teaches clearly that we are to be a people who stand up for what is right, who speak out, and who recognize when we have sinned, who are first in line to acknowledge our own failings and our own failures. And I want to tonight say to every person of color, every black person, every brown person that is watching this or will listen to this, I am sorry but this is allowed to continue. I want to say to every young person who beats with a heart of justice, I am sorry that this is allowed to continue. And I want to say to every single person who is listening to this Bible study and this midweek meeting tonight, that this matters, that we must say something, that we must stand up. But I'm not coming to you just with political theory. I'm coming to you with a sense of hopefully humility and honesty, and I have thought long and hard about what I want to say to you tonight. I'm nervous about it because I know I will be criticised. But this matters. This matters in our society. This matters in our churches. This matters in the lives of my children. This matters in the lives of people in Dundonalilam. And it matters in the lives of people in Northern Ireland. We must be clear. Racism will be rejected in all its forms and in all of its expressions. Let me remind you of some principles, as I said earlier on. In Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through to 28, in the beginning of the whole of the creation story, we hear that God said this, God made humankind in his image. In the image of God he made them male and female, he created them. There is no colour differentiation in humanity. Black people are not worth less than white people. Brown people are not worth less than white people. It is a deeply embedded reality in Christian theology that men and women are created in the image of God, equal in his sight. And that's not just true of race, that's true of colour, that's true of gender, that's true of where we were born, when we were born, who our parents were. There is a deeply embedded theological principle at the heart of Christian faith and Jewish faith and that is this, all people are made in the image of God. 
All people are made with God's likeness placed within us. Not just those who consider themselves to be better or more special. And across Northern Ireland and across particularly North America on a Sunday morning, it is an outrage that the most segregated R is still the R in which the churches worship together. There should be no segregation. And as we think about this reality that we are made in God's image, it impacts everything that we are and everything that we think. It impacts the way we view people before birth. It impacts the way we view people with disability. It impacts the way we view people with gender. It impacts the way we view people uh, with sexuality. All people are made in God's image. That doesn't mean that I agree with every ethical and moral choice that people make. But it does mean this, that my theology begins with a conviction that all human beings are made in God's image. It doesn't matter what colour someone's skin is. They are made in the image of God. And tonight, I want to remind you and humbly suggest that we as Christians should separate ourselves from any sense of segregation based on race. And we can't say that we have always got this right because that simply isn't true. When the uh, Southern Baptist movement in the United States was formed, it was formed in order to uphold slavery. The apartheid regime in South Africa began because of a very strong Dutch reformed theology that believed that black people were less than white people. And that led to the political state of apartheid. It wasn't that apartheid led to a theology. It was a warped theology that led to apartheid. It was a warped theology that defended slavery. It was a warped theology that William Wilberforce fought in the 18th century when he decided that he was called by God to see slavery abolished. And right through until the 27th of March, 1807, bill after bill, fight after fight, he was determined that he would say something about the treatment of those who were enslaved and that he wanted it to end. At one point in his political career, he considered giving it all up and he went to see his friend, William Pitt the Younger, and he said, I can't do this, I'm going to give it up. And William Pitt the Younger said, why would you do that? And William Wilberforce said, because the wind is against me. And William Pitt the Younger turned to his friend and said, then change the wind, William. And I want to say to you this evening, wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in, Christian theology should change the wind on this issue. We should not remain silent. We shouldn't lock ourselves away and we shouldn't pretend that it doesn't matter. A theology that suggests that black people are marked with blackness because of sin. A theology that is rooted in things, theologies like some aspects of British Israelism that suggest that black people are less is wrong and should be rejected in all of its forms. The Bible is clear that men and women, whatever colour they are, their skin might be, whatever culture they come from, whatever circumstances they find themselves in, they are made in the image of God. That's the first thing that I want to say. The second thing is I want to remind you that the Church of Jesus Christ should know nothing of racial segregation and separation. Let me remind you of what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. He said very clearly and very simply, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, Scythian, barbarian nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. We as the redeemed people of God are supposed to be a people that evidence something different. So as a pastor, if I don't speak out on this issue, if I don't say something about it, then the black people in my congregation, the black people in my community, the black people in my denomination, the black people in my stream have every right to say, why have you said nothing? Why have you not stood up? 
the young people that I'm trying to influence, the young adults that I'm trying to pastor, the families that I'm trying to fashion, the people that I'm trying to encourage to follow Christ. If I say nothing about this, in what way am I representing the church of Jesus Christ? I can't pretend that this doesn't matter. I can't lock it away and say that it's not important. Because these, there are, there are people across the world who are imprisoned and treated differently and less tonight. And they are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And the only reason they are treated differently is because of the colour of their skin. That cannot be right. It is wrong that in America, black people are three and a half times more likely to catch COVID-19. It's wrong that black people are held in poverty. It's wrong that so many people died um, from black communities in the Grenfell disaster. It's wrong when we say nothing. We are the church of Jesus Christ, a church in which it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your social background is. It doesn't matter where you are from. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Not only in creation is there an equality of men and women made in the image of God, but in the new creation, in the family of God's people, there is an equality. We are one in Christ Jesus. And so tonight, in the words of Romans, I weep with those who weep. I rejoice with those who rejoice. And this evening, across the world, across the church in Northern Ireland, across the church in the United Kingdom, across the church in the United States of America, those of us who are white, those of us who have a voice, those of us who have been given a platform, have a responsibility to speak into the community of faith and say very simply, racism knows no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Dividing people and treating them as being different based on the colour of their skin knows no place in Christian theology. It should be given no truck in the way we think and treat and disciple and speak of other people. I believe it is so powerfully and profoundly important that we speak out on this. And thirdly, I want to remind you of very, something very simple, something very straightforward. It isn't confusing and it isn't hard to understand. In Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8, Solomon says this, Speak out for those who cannot speak out for themselves. I'm not suggesting for one moment tonight that black people can't speak out. But I am suggesting that as a white person with a platform, I have a responsibility to amplify their voices. I have a responsibility to get out of the way and say I stand with them and I believe that this is wrong. I don't want my children or my grandchildren to understand in any way that a Christian leader could let something like this happen and say nothing. That she or he would turn their face away or pretend that it had nothing to do with them. The issues of racism have everything to do with each of us. I am not perfect in this scenario. Sometimes there is an institutionalised cultured um, racism that we cannot see in ourselves. Some years ago I was involved in a conversation with a, a remarkable human being who was a black woman and she told me a little bit about herself and we were talking and uh, I asked her what she did and she said I work in the NHS and I looked at her and I said to her are you a care assistant? And she smiled back at me and said no I am a consultant. In that moment, my inherent prejudices were being shown. My inherent assumptions were being shown. Immediately I sensed that God was speaking to me and saying, Malcolm, you must not view people through a lens that is being cultured to you. Instead, you must learn to see people through my lens, through my eyes. To say nothing um, is to be complicit. To not to refuse to speak out 
is not to say that you're being pacifist or ambivalent about this. We cannot be that. When I think of the men and the women that I've interacted with around the world, when I think about those people that I've had the privilege of ministering to and with, many of those people are black. And I am sorry to you, I am sorry that we have not done enough as communities to eradicate racism, to challenge it in all its forms and to speak out against it. But I want to say to you tonight with absolute clarity, in the church that I lead and in the denomination that I am part of and in the ministry that God has entrusted me with, I am rejecting every form of racism, whatever it looks like and whatever it sounds like. Whether it's dressed up with religious language or it's dressed up in silence and it's dressed up in saying nothing. We must stand together. We must speak together and we must speak out. Edmund Burke once said, all it takes for evil to prosper is that good men do nothing. Well, tonight I refuse to do nothing. I refuse to say that this doesn't matter. Instead, I encourage you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to stand up, to speak out and to say that this is wrong. I pray tonight for George Floyd's family. But I pray tonight for every person who has been treated as less because of the colour of their skin. Whether that be in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in Northern Ireland, in communities around the world, wherever it's happening, wherever it's being expressed, this is wrong. And we are called as men and women to stand together in Christ and to speak out for those who cannot speak out for themselves. What can we do about this as a fellowship? What can you and I do about this as parents, as grandparents, as neighbours, as citizens? Well, we can be engaged in saying we reject racism. We can reject racism when we see it happening in front of our eyes. We can reject racism if we see it happening in our churches. We can reject racist language. We can contact our politicians. We can contact our elected representatives. We can ask for something to be said. We can ask for something to be done. We can make sure that our communities are open and our hearts are open and our families are open to people of different colour to those that we normally welcome. We can be people who demonstrate that we don't accept racism. We can do it by teaching our children. We can do it by talking to our grandchildren. We can do it by having conversations in small groups. We can do it by engaging in dialogue, by saying that this is wrong and it needs to stop. We can ask hard questions. We can make difficult points. We can stand up and speak out and we can stand together. So tonight, wherever you are, whatever you are facing, I pray that you and I will be touched with the deep and passionate cry that we are one in Christ Jesus in the Church of Jesus. And that you and I will remember that God has made all people in his image. You know, I talked a little bit about this in a conversation earlier on. And somebody sent me a simple message and it brought tears to my eyes. And it's going to sound twee to you. But here is what it was. This elderly lady said to me, you know, we used to sing a chorus in school. Jesus loves the, in Sunday school, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow. Black and white, all are precious in his sight. George Floyd was somebody's son. He was somebody's neighbour. He was somebody who was loved and missed. And the fact that he was killed by a white policeman who could have done something different is an outrage. We must stand together, standing for the humanity of all people the dignity of that humanity, 
And we must with one voice, in the name of Jesus Christ, say racism is wrong. And it has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to lift to you every single person listening to this tonight. I pray that you'd give them grace and strength and wisdom. I pray that you would deliver us from theologies that make people less because of the colour of their skin. I pray that you would forgive us if we have become or become complicit in racism. And I pray that you would help us to reject any language, any behaviour, any activity that makes black people feel less. I ask you for the Church of Jesus Christ in America that they will know your grace and strength. I pray that they will stand. Thank you for those leaders that are speaking out and I ask that you will give them grace and courage and wisdom. And I pray that here in Europe, here in Northern Ireland, here on the island of Ireland and here in the United Kingdom, the church leaders would speak with clarity about this issue and would be faithful to the biblical witness that all people are made in your image, that all people matter and that we are not permitted to show racism in any way or any form. I ask this in the precious, holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would show us what we can do about it in our families, in the way we educate our children, our grandchildren, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we behave, the way we talk, the way we conduct ourselves. May we be women and men who hold of a gospel of hope for all people, and who believe in a church where there is no racial segregation, no separation. And that we as citizens will seek to build communities and a society where racism is rejected and human dignity is celebrated. We ask it in the name of Jesus and for his glory and for his honour. Amen. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'll be talking to you more about lots of things that are happening this weekend in our church family. But tonight I don't believe that I should be giving announcements. I don't believe that I should be doing anything else other than asking you to examine your heart and to pray. And to ask that God will help you to be a person who stands up, speaks out and stands together with brothers and sisters around the world. Good night. God bless you. And thank you for being with me.